0: you're in church. We're going to continue on the sermon series, What We Believe this morning. And we're going to talk about something that uh, that we don't see a lot in our uh, current world, and that's cooperation. <laughs> cooperation, unity, the idea of all being on the same page. Um... Don't see that much in our world today, do we? That, that's just not what we see. What we see out in our world is that you are my sworn enemy if you disagree with me. If we have a different opinion on something, we're sworn enemies. And, and so the idea of cooperation is important, and, and it's actually not that hard to figure out. Um, maybe the mechanics of it, but actual biblical unity is not that hard to define. We're going to define it here today from Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 1. We're going to define what biblical unity looks like. And then we'll, we'll, uh, we'll see if there's ways that we can find cooperation, biblical unity. So first let's read Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 1. And we'll read 1 through 7. Therefore, I, the prisoner in the Lord, urge you to live worthy of the calling you have received, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in all. Now grace was given to each of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. So let's now read the uh, the Baptist Faith and Message article entitled Cooperation. I believe it's uh, title, article 9 um, and again those are available back counter back there. But uh, Cooperation. Christ's people should, as occasion requires, organize such associations and conventions as may best secure cooperation for the great objects of the kingdom of God. Such organizations have no, no authority over one another or over churches. They are voluntary and advisory bodies designed to elicit, combine, and direct the energies of our people In the most effective manner members of new testament churches should cooperate with one another in carrying forward the missionary educational and benevolent ministries for the extension of christ's kingdom christian unity in the new testament sense is spiritual harmony and voluntary cooperation for common ends by various groups of christ's people cooperation is desirable between the various Christian denominations, when the end to be attained is itself justified, and when such cooperation involves no violation of conscience or compromise of loyalty to Christ and his word, as revealed in the New Testament. So let's talk about the organization of our church first. Our church is voluntarily organized with other Southern Baptist churches in the Desert Pines Baptist Association. Now, I I emphasize that it's voluntary because there's no requirement for us to do that. They are not a hierarchy that tell us what to do. If you don't like something I said, calling them won't do you any good. They don't send pastors to different churches. The the, the Baptists are set up differently than Methodists and, and Presbyterians and many other denominations. Each church is autonomous. By that I mean, every church hires its own pastor, fires its own pastor, hires worship leaders and, and youth ministers and, and decides upon whether it's deacons or elders or exactly how you're going to run. Uh, all of that is decided at the church level. Nobody but Christ has authority over us here. So we're part of the Desert Pines Association as a voluntary thing, and we're also part of the Southern Baptist Conference as a voluntary thing. Again, you can, if you don't like what I said, you can't call them and get me in trouble either. They don't care. We are voluntarily part of the Southern Baptist uh, Conference which, which takes us around the world. The South, Southern Baptist Conference is, is around the world. And in fact, the Southern Baptist Conference has two very important missionary organizations The first is the International Mission Board, or IMB. That is the best missionary organization in the world. No no questions asked. The best. It allows the missionaries to stay on the field. They don't have to come back here and and go church to church getting support because they're already supported. They, they, They stay on the field. In fact you see missionaries from other organizations going to the Southern Baptist or IMB missionaries to get help to come home when they run out of money. Um, IMB missionaries are the best equipped, best trained, and best provided for missionaries in the world. And our church gets to be a part of that by our Southern Baptist uh, conference membership and offering. The second is the North American Mission Board, or NAM. Now, North American Mission Board not only has missionaries around uh, North America, but also it endorses chaplains. All of your military chaplains are under North American Mission Board. All of your public safety chaplains, like myself, are under uh, North American Mission Board. It also has disaster relief chaplains and hospital chaplains and hospice chaplains as well as things like disaster relief, which we have members of in our church, disaster relief. When something happens, when a hurricane hits, when an earthquake happens, when when a disaster hits, disaster relief is there usually set up and and feeding the Red Cross when the Red Cross gets there to to set up. They're an, an, an incredible organization. And because part of our offering goes Part of our, the offering you give here goes to the Desert Pines Association and to the State Association and the Southern Baptist Conference and the IMB and, the, and North American Mission Board. Because of that, we are all a part of that. And, and they don't have to pay overhead costs for all of the disaster relief. They don't have to pay overhead costs for missionaries. All of that's taken care of. Because part of our offering here goes there. And we do that again voluntarily. It's not a membership fee. (laughs) We do it voluntarily. And so it allows us to be a part of ministries around the world doing all kinds of different things that are of like faith and practice. Now I'm going to use that term a few times today. So let me explain what that means like faith and practice is that they believe like we believe and, and, and do church similar or ministry similar to the way we do that's like faith and practice so <clears throat> let's see what Paul has to say about like faith and practice take a look again at verses 4 through 6 of Ephesians 4 he says there is one body and one spirit just as you were called to one hope at your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. So when Paul talks about this, he's giving us how unity works. These are the criteria for unity. It was, there's an old saying, it, it's been uh, attributed to, uh, to Augustus, uh, uh, Augustine rather. It's been attributed to Martin Luther. I think actually it was one of the other German theologians personally, but he said, in, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, and in all things, charity. And that's really a, a great way of saying how we work, we, how we cooperate. There, there are some things that we must have unity on. Unity begins within the church. We have to believe the same things here. Now, that's the reason, starting in, back in January, I am preaching this sermon series. <laughs> I'm preaching the, the Baptist faith and message so that we all believe the same thing. We've talked about Scripture, we've talked about God, we've talked about Jesus, the Holy Spirit, baptism, we've talked about all of these things. And so we, we understand where all of us come from on that. And then, so that's like faith. And then, like practice is we decide how we're going to practice that faith, how we're going to, to go about that faith. Um, our Sunday service every Sunday looks very much like a synagogue service at the time of Jesus. They did worship, then they proclaimed the Word of God and expounded upon it, and then they had a time of committing to the, to the Word of God we do exactly that here in that order we 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 we're following a biblical model of how to do church so our practice matches our faith we uh, we started all the way back in january the first article in the southern baptist uh, faith and message is on scripture scripture because we are people of the word if it don't say it in here, it ain't true. And we have to do all of our faith and all of our practice is based here. Not on, on the uh, what, what often, what I, what I call the book of opinions. Um, which is somewhere in the Bible someplace, I think. Because it, it always seems like people have one, have those on how we should do church. Um, but we are like faith and practice is that we believe the same and that we practice that faith and have decided upon how we're going to practice that faith. So let's look at these qualifiers that, that, uh, that Paul gives us in verses 4 through 6. The first one is one body and one spirit. One body refers to, to a universal church. There is, think about this, right now, Somewhere in the world, in a language you would not even recognize, people are studying exactly what they're studying. Isn't that kind of mind-blowing? They're studying exactly what we're studying. They're part of our church. We're part of their church. We're all part of the church together across the world. Now, to really blow your mind, think about this. This letter was written by Paul to the church in Ephesus around 60 AD, 1960 years ago. What were they doing with it? They were in church studying it, just like we are today. Now, Ephesus is in modern-day Turkey. And so what they did with these letters from Paul is they passed them around to the churches. So you had three, four different churches... Looking at this, at, at, all in the area of, of southern Turkey, looking at this letter almost 2,000 years ago, just like we are today. It's incredible to think what God has done through his word and the church, the body of Christ, through history and around the world, isn't it? They're studying it right now in places we can't even recognize and they have studied it for thousands of years. Now, the, the, uh, the second part of that is that we believe that the, the one body also refers to a local church. Now, here's the reason for that. The biblical mandates for church are fellowship and accountability and the Lord's Supper and baptism but fellowship and accountability those two things cannot be done outside of a local church you need accountability within a local church and you need fellowship with other believers that are on the same path as you that believe the same as you in your church so we also we see this as not only the universal church but the local church In fact as Paul writes all of these, like this letter to Ephesians, it's written to a church in Ephesus. It's written to a local church. It's passed around from there, but it's written to a local church. Same with Corinthians, same with Galatians. They're written to local churches. Now, it also says one spirit. One spirit refers to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity what we know as the empowerment for life. We believe that the Holy Spirit, and we've covered the Holy Spirit, but just to remind you, we believe that the Holy Spirit comes at the point of salvation. In fact, Ephesians 1 tells us that. And that it empowers us, it seals us for our salvation and empowers us to live. It applies salvation to us and begins And it activates the sanctification process, the process of us becoming more holy, more like Christ. All of that is the Holy Spirit's job. All of that happens because of the one Spirit. We share this Spirit with other Bible-believing churches around the world and through history. One hope, one Lord, one faith. One hope, Christ. Need I say more? Our hope is in Christ. Our hope for salvation is in Christ. We cannot possibly work our way to heaven. We can't build up enough stuff, good stuff in our lives to get there. It's Christ and Christ alone that gives us salvation. And that hope is secure because our salvation is secure. Because it's not Christ plus something else, it is Christ. Christ crucified. So our hope is in Christ because he's the only hope of salvation and he is the only hope that secures our salvation. So our hope is in Christ. One Lord. We don't have just a Lord, we have the Lord, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. There is no name higher. There is no one greater than Jesus Christ. That's our Lord. And one faith. Now, this is where it starts getting tricky. One faith. Faith in what? Faith in the biblical Jesus. Now, I say biblical Jesus because there is the the Jesus that is, and there is sometimes the Jesus that we wish there were. The Jesus that is, described by Scripture, was born of a virgin, born fully man and fully God, lived a sinless life, died a substitutionary death on the cross for your sin and mine, was dead, buried, and resurrected on the third day to seal our salvation and to give us life now and life eternal. That's our faith. That's the faith we have. That's the faith that's biblical faith in the biblical Jesus. One baptism. Now again, we've covered this topic, but, but the, the Greek word there, baptizo, literally means immerse. It's used outside the Bible to talk about dyeing, uh, the, the process of dipping uh, fabric in dye so that the dye completely saturates the, the fabric. It's It is, so we believe in baptism by immersion. And we believe in baptism by immersion after... You come to Christ, not as a baby, after you come to Christ. Now, the reason for that is that's the pattern we see in the book of Acts and really the rest of the New Testament. We see people coming to faith and then baptized by immersion. And so that's what we believe. One God and Father of all. You've heard me say it before. But I'm going to say it again. There is a God, and it ain't you. It ain't me either. He is the creator and sustainer of everything we know. He expresses himself in the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We actually see all three at work, all three at one time, when Jesus is baptized in the Gospels. We see Jesus being baptized by John the Baptist We see the Holy Spirit coming in the form of a dove landing on Jesus. And we hear the voice of of the Father saying, This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. So we see all three in that one spot. God, the God of the Bible, expresses himself as what we call a trinity. The three in one. But he is one God. One God all the way back into the, the, the faith of the Jew. In Deuteronomy 6, 4, they have what's called the great Shema. Hear, O Israel. The Lord is our God. The Lord is one. There's one God. So these are the essentials. These are the essentials that we must agree upon. Not only within our church... But with the ministries that that our church involves itself in, we we agree with these essentials. We must have unity in the essentials one one body, the church, one spirit, the Holy Spirit, one hope, Christ, one Lord, Christ, one faith, Christ, one baptism by immersion after, uh, after coming to Christ. One God. These are, the, these are our essentials. The, things, the other things that we tend to argue about most in churches are the non-essentials. Does it matter how many songs you have before the offertory? Does it matter whether the offertory is at the beginning or right before the sermon? Does it matter uh, whether, the, whether the music is all hymns or whether it's all contemporary or whether it's a mixture of those two. Does it matter if it's a cappella or with music? All of these things are what we argue about. All of these things, we, we major in the minors because these are all non-essentials. These are non-essentials and in non-essentials, we need liberty. Uh, another, another point of contention often is Lord's Supper. We celebrate the Lord's Supper here once a month. Some churches do it every week. Some churches do it every other week. Is that what is the amount of times you do it a year what counts? Or is it the heart of when you do it that counts? All non-essentials. We have to have unity in the essentials. We have liberty in these non-essentials like faith and practice does not mean that they sing exactly the way we sing they do worship exactly the way we do we do worship doesn't mean that they sing as many songs as we do it means that they celebrate as we celebrate that they are practicing the faith in Christ that we celebrate and we practice so i have two questions for you The first one and the most important one is do you believe in these essentials? Do you believe in this Christ, the biblical Christ? Let me run through that again. He was born of a virgin, born fully man and fully God, lived a sinless life, died a substitutionary death for your sin, was dead, buried, resurrected on the third day, To seal your salvation and give you life today and life eternal. Do you believe in that Jesus? Because if you you can this morning. You can place your faith in that Jesus this morning. My second question is, will you pray for unity in the Christian church? Think about what this world sees when it looks at the church most of what it sees is infighting between churches and inside churches. If we have a like faith and practice, if we have essential in the unities, uh, unity in the essentials, then we should be cooperating with one another. We should be, uh, the, the enemy is not the church down the street. The enemy is Satan. The enemy of our souls. So will you pray for the unity of the Christian church? And just just think about what that would show our world today. I'm going to ask that you bow your heads. I ask you first, if you believe in the biblical Jesus, I'm going to ask that you consider this prayer You follow along in your own words. First, we acknowledge that we have sin. God, I have sin in my life. I've done things wrong. I've said things wrong. I've thought things wrong. And I know the Bible calls that sin. But I'm going to trust that Jesus died in my place on that cross. That he died for my sin. Forgive me for my sin. Not because of anything I can do but because of what Jesus has done. And come into my life, empower me to live a Christ-like life. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, let somebody know. Elbow your neighbor and let them know. Let somebody know that you, you are now unified in the essentials of biblical faith. The second part of this is let's pray together now for unity in the Christian church. Father, we have seen what unity requires. May we seek it. May we seek unity in your church, your bride, with like-minded people of like faith and practice in our area and in our world. With other churches and other ministries, unify us. Bring your church together. For if there's ever been a time it needs to be, it's now. We ask in the name of Jesus. Amen.